Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is the podcast for January 13th, 2019. We also have a special guest this week, three weeks in a row. Um, uh, we, uh, would you like to introduce yourself or should I, should I present your accolades ahead, ahead of you? Why don't you go ahead? A drum roll. Yeah. Uh, he is our newest, uh, uh, I believe still at this point, our newest uh, ordained priest in the Diocese of Indianapolis. Uh, uh, a former, uh, still, ex- still, uh, uh, I'm tangentially coming, involved, <laughs> a parishioner of Holy Family Episcopal Church, uh, someone who discerned and despite our better efforts to convince him otherwise, still went into, uh, the, in, into the ministry and is now, uh, uh, father, which is weird to say, uh, Patrick Burke. So Patrick Thank you, Ben. I appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 make you regret that decision. Uh, hopefully, the, during this podcast. And, and one of the reasons he's with us is he will be offering the sermons at both eight and ten o'clock this coming Sunday. So, if you like or hate what you hear in terms of how he's prepared so far, you can come hear it for yourself and say annoying things at the door and shatter his spirit. That's right. It was better on the. <laughs> it was better on the podcast. Right. <laughs> Having heard your sermon, sermon, I have a few pointers. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's get uh, let's get uh, started here. Uh, so today's episode is underwritten by the Tabernacle, located at the corner of Fisher's Point Boulevard and Enclave Drive. This modern minimalist structure offers a spacious uh, 14 square inch all wood structure. A secluded location, the Tabernacle sports a single communal space. Ha, huh, see what I did there? Communal yeah. space. Nice. With a large wall-sized view of the sanctuary. Zero bedrooms, zero bathrooms, one lord. Now offering gluten-free living options, the Tabernacle, it's a house for bread. Uh, so obviously a little tongue-in-cheek there at the right. end, uh, the house for bread. Uh, but the the Tabernacle, there's. Uh, do you want to say a little bit about what that actually is? <laughs> It is not for rent, by the way. Sorry. It is not for rent. <laughs> it is fully booked up for all eternity. <laughs> the light will always be left on. But the light, and the light is always left on. Because yeah, I think I think for some for some listeners, Tabernacle uh, invokes a little bit like the tab, more of a Tabernacle choir, um, uh, and may may not really uh, bring forward an image that makes sense. Like right. if you don't really know the where the tabernacle is in the sanctuary that's you you would be among a lot of friends yeah absolutely uh so so what is what is the tabernacle it's it's essentially a cabinet that is designated as holy space Mm -hmm. in which we keep the bread and the wine that's been consecrated and therefore has the abiding presence of jesus christ in that bread and wine the real presence and we also keep in it the blessed oils that we use to anoint the sick and the newly baptized. Now, is there always uh, communal bread and, and wine in there, or is it just anything, it, items that are left over, or how does that, how does that work from a, from a practical standpoint? Practical standpoint, yeah. We try to rotate the stock mm-hmm. so that it's always fresh. Stale bread is really unfortunate. <laughs> it, it is sure. not, a, not efficacious to the faithful. <clears throat> and the purpose of it is so that if... We get a call during the week of someone who's very ill or just simply has missed church and would like to receive communion. We have the blessed sacrament to share with them, to usually take to their bedside or Mm -hmm. their home, wherever they are. Um, And it's always there except for 
at the end of the Good Friday service, we empty the tabernacle as part of the symbolism of Jesus's death and the sorrow that covered all creation over it. And then we uh, refill it on Easter. And not just the tabernacle is emptied, if, if I'm not right. mistaken. The, the entire church is, stripped, yeah, is, is yeah. completely uh, uh, stripped stripped away. The stripping of the altar I right. is, what it is, is what the, the process is called. Beautiful service on Monday, Thursday evening is when we do the stripping yeah. of the altar. I actually really like that service. Yeah, it's... not personally, not a big fan of having my feet washed, but I like the uh, but, but I like the uh, the stripping of the altar portion of the service. So tune in in April, and you'll get to hear all about those services. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our uh, that's our sponsor for today. So much thanks to the Tabernacle for being a good sport uh, with my um, well, not terrible terribly written joke um but uh god god gave us a sense of humor folks that's Um, right now you don't laugh because some of us better than others that's right i was just gonna say if you don't laugh it's probably because i'm not funny (laughs) so in which case god gave us lots of mercy (laughs) that's right mercy and forgiveness grace 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 Grace. there you go so uh so let's let's uh dive into the readings this week uh shall we uh so isaiah chapter 43 1 through 7 reads but not but now thus says the lord he who created you o jacob he who formed you o israel do not fear for i have redeemed you i have called you by name you are mine when you pass through the waters i will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you when you walk through fire you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you for i am the lord your god the holy one of israel your savior i give egypt as your ransom ethiopia and seba Seba? 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 Sure. In exchange for you, because you are my precious in you are precious in my sight and have honored and and honored, man, I cannot read today. And I love you. I give people in return for you nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up and to the south. Do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now, this verse, as I read it just now, uh, reminded me a little bit of the one of the conversations, uh, part of the conversation we had last week, mm-hmm. which was talking about gathering uh, um, the, the, the entire... Uh, nation of Israel uh, together from from all nations upon nations. And this kind of has a similar feel. That's right. Um, if I'm not mistaken, last week's uh, reading was also from Isaiah that was speaking to that. So is this, uh, I forget exactly in in the in the line of the, the, the text of the book, but is this uh, shortly after, short, shortly before? Is it is it directly tied to what we read last week? It's directly tied with what we read last week's. So to quickly summarize a couple of the major points of that, at this point, Israel was in exile. They had been enslaved by the Babylonians. And this is part of the promise of restoration and redemption that God is giving to the people of Israel. They are not simply living in a different land, but they are living as an enslaved people. Their best talents are being forced out of them for the royalty and and uppity ups of the Babylonians uh, from their artists to their engineers. And so it's been a, a terribly distressing time. Mm. And so there's this is part of the promise that things are not just going to get better, they're going to get a lot better. 
yeah. even though right now, and, and part of it, I don't think we talked about last week, part of it is the prior, or maybe I should just say sort of in the air belief that if your life's not going well, that's because you've done something wrong and God's ticked off at you, which is sort of our cultural theology as well. It still remains. Yeah. That, that, that's still a thread. And so part of what Isaiah talks about so many times through uh, the whole book of Isaiah is Israel, all these terrible things happened to you. And some were your fault, some weren't, and you tr try and get things perfect is not what's going to cause your redemption. Instead, it's God's love and grace. Hmm. So okay. that's that's sort of the, the, to me, the ongoing message of these Isaiah passages is even when we think we're down and out and cruddy and uh, insufficient, God says, nope, I'm still going to give you grace and redemption. That that's interesting that you point that out. So that, so uh, probably back then more so than than now they had to combat that narrative thread of you've done something wrong, right? Yes. Because um, many many cultures, many religions stem from that line of thinking that uh, if you had a bad harvest, if you had drought, if you had you know if something bad happened to you, it was because you had not found favor with your god or gods, mm -hmm. and uh, that was pretty prominent. Um, uh, I, we'd like to think ourselves a little bit more culturally refined by now, uh, but uh, but there's we still hear that from time to time. People saying, "Well, you know, this earthquake happened here, or this tsunami happened there because of this," and mm -hmm. then some sort of you know uh, social or religious uh, um, um, decision that is against the, the commands of God or something. And, and you hear Jesus echoes Isaiah constantly, and that that thread follows through in the stories of the gospel. You think of the woman touching the cloak, you mm -hmm. think of, you know, the woman caught the dog. All, all, these, all these parables and narratives in the gospels, Jesus is still making that point hundreds mm -hmm. of years later. Right. So trying to buck that trend of yeah. like it's not just <laughs> So it's and and it's not it's not a cultural issue for this particular society. Mm -hmm. It's part of human nature. Mm -hmm. We struggle with that. We still struggle with it. Sure. Know, Two thousand years later, right. twenty five hundred years later after Isaiah's read. So, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, gather any any, any group of uh, any Bible study together, or a group of uh, of uh, um, churchgoers, and and try to tackle the question of why do bad things happen to good people, and you'll quickly you know start to go down that that conversation right. of you know is yeah. it because of something I did? Is yeah. it you know is that is that and that's that's a real struggle. Tough thing to struggle with. I mean, well, yeah, it would be. It's so much. It would be so much easier, in some ways, if that's the way things worked, because then we could easily do cause and effect analysis mm -hmm. and say, okay, if I give ten more dollars a week to church, then my salary will go up twenty dollars a week, as some preachers yeah, try they, to do. That that did still exists. Yeah, the, that's still I out forget there. what the what's that called the the something prosperity gospel. Prosperity, prosperity gospel. gospel. Yeah, right. That's right. And, you know, case after case of that. And it, it really is us trying to take control of something that God over and over throughout the scripture says, this is not yours. This is mine. God's mm -hmm. saying it, that the way the world works is in God's hands, not ours, even though we keep trying to grab it back. So in, so in uh, 30 seconds or less, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we suck. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a better way to put it is that we make terrible choices, mm -hmm. we collectively, not as individuals, mm -hmm. and so we have broken the world over and over and over for thousands of years, 
And as Kathy Gray put it in her sermon this past Sunday, we, we stumble over those broken pieces mm-hmm. and cause, and in our flailing to keep from falling, we pull others down and make terrible decisions, terrible choices. And throughout that slow motion pratfall, God is again and again reaching out God's hands saying, hold, hold these and you'll never hit the ground. Mm-hmm. But all too often we say, nope, I'm going to do it myself and pull down the whole house around us. Mm-hmm. So most of it has to do with terrible human choices going back sometimes long before our own discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's the, the primary reason why terrible things happen to wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Reverberations of sin throughout that entire tapestry of, yeah. of life. I like the way that you put that. That's nice. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, any Anything else about uh, this passage from Isaiah? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it got evokes, the stamp of approval. Okay, yeah. all right. Wow. You know, the, this, this thread of hope that, that just permeates mm-hmm. all of, not all of Isaiah, but eventually as we get to right. our second and third Isaiah, mm-hmm. this, this, this idea of, of restoration of hope for this people Um it would be nice if they really grasp a hold of it. <laughs> and if we could grasp a hold of it and hold on to it. But but this idea of hope, this 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 trust in God that, you know, God will deliver them, God will deliver us, mm-hmm. is such a powerful it's not even just an image, it's such a powerful emotion, such a powerful draw to us as human beings. And yet the irony is is that that sin, that web of sin that we get stuck in it all the time. And if, mm-hmm. if we could if we could hear this echo of Isaiah in our own lives, we really could, it changes you. Right. It really does. And that's the beauty of, of all these readings in Isaiah that just holds out this branch of hope for us that if we, if we keep searching and yearning for God, that's where our grace and that's where our redemption and restoration will come. Mm -hmm. Not from our Mm -hmm. own flailing. Yeah. Very good. Well, with that, let's move on to uh, Acts. Uh, again, we skip over the psalm, love the psalm, pray the psalm. You don't love... Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just for sake of I, I, I assume that people have a limited amount of patience with me. <laughs> and that, that assumption voice, has served me but well. But the voice of the Lord is a powerful voice, very strong in the psalm. <clears throat> yes, yes. Very good, very good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, So Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, reads this way. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So, uh, timeline wise, this is prior to the tongues of fire. Uh, no, this is after. This is after. after. Yeah. The special effects have happened. So, how come it reads for the for for as as yet the spirit had not come upon any of them? Is that just because upon uh, them in Samaria? Samaria. Yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Okay. So I did not recognize who the them was in this exactly. in this case. I got gotcha. you. So this is this is the this is the the going out. This is the going forth and spreading. Uh, uh, the the Probably the first steps. I'm assuming with chapter eight. This is the, we're we're 
early on in that portion of the adventure. Peter's right? early forays into interaction with the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. He can't quite stay out there all the time. Right. <laughs> he struggles with that, but yeah. He needs to come back for good deli food. <laughs> good. And sit with the right people. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so what about what about this passage, and why does it tie? Why is it uh, uh, pulled into this uh, group of lectionary readings? How does this tie into Isaiah? How does it uh, like why 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 have we chosen to put it here in our lectionary readings? How does it inform uh, any of the other readings? Part of it is, and this is sort of the deep background, is that Samaria is the area that was in many Israelites' minds, a second-class community. Uh That, uh, going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, the Samaritans were the people who were left behind when the Babylonians took all of the skilled, the best and the brightest from Israel Uh into captivity. And so even when the people who were in captivity came back, they treated the Samaritans very poorly because... A, they were presumed to still be the unskilled, um, suspect people, and mm. B, they had not experienced the same suffering. Mm. And okay. so there was always you haven't gone through what we went through. Yeah, you, you don't, don't know where you don't know you know what it's like. Yeah, you can hear that echo of the story of the woman at the well with right how they view the temple and how they view sacrifice and is it where the mm. cult of Jerusalem is how what we know as Israel at that time is sacrificing and worshiping God. The Samaritans, they're still using the old shrines in their area, or they had moved on mm-hmm. from tradition, what we know as Judaism at the time as well. So they're second-class religious citizens. Right. And so the fact that they were experiencing the gospel fairly early on is hugely symbolically significant. Gotcha. This is the, this is, this is the, the, coming into fruition of, you know, let my, the, to the South, let my people go to the North, like well, that, that gathering, the beginning of the gathering together, or it's, it's, I think it's more the, it, no matter how outcast you think someone is, mm-hmm. they're included. Gotcha. So this the, is, the Samaritans were outcast <clears throat> by leaps and bounds. This is, this is pointing that this is not a, this, this message of, of inclusivity is for everyone. Right. This is, this right. is, this is a, open more of an open invitation than than maybe some people might have initially been led to believe right right okay. yep well and part of this for me is also the the theme of the holy spirit and the, mm-hmm. the working of the holy spirit receiving the holy spirit we see that mm-hmm. obviously in the luke and gospel reading but that work of the holy spirit through luke really comes into play and acts and so that's what what strikes right. me about this as an inclusion to the gospel is how the Holy Spirit is working, how the, you know, and, and there's issues or discussions to be had about, you know, the difference in baptisms and John's baptism and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. But it, it's it's the working of the Holy Spirit and, and, and recognizing that the Holy Spirit's at work in their lives. It's guiding, um, you know, Peter, it's guiding Paul and, and all these missionary groups that are out there. So I, it's a very short reading, mm-hmm. but that part about the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is really, really important. It's a really, really important in the synoptic <clears throat> baptism of Jesus as well, mm-hmm. as we'll see in the gospel. Now, uh, um, something that struck my brain while you were, while you were talking, uh, the, the, 
the Holy Spirit is the motivator in this, is the moving part in this in, in this passage, right? This is the one that, you know, is, there's, there's, there's inflections of movement implied here in, in, in the reading. The, is that, is that a thread that's a little different from the Old Testament? Because it seems like in the Old Testament, it's, it's, God himself is like the, 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 the big, uh, um, um, the one who appears and the one who motivates and the one who calls pushes people forward. So why? How, how come? How come a little bit of the switch? Or am I off well, base on at that? At times, uh, mm-hmm. think of Elijah at the cave with the women. I mean, mm-hmm. we hear echoes okay. of how we view the Holy Spirit right. through the lens of the New Testament or mm-hmm. the Gospels in the Hebrew Scriptures in different ways. But yeah, yeah. The, the big stories we think of Moses with the bush, and mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. But there's also within the Hebrew scriptures uh, a wide swath of tradition around God as wisdom. Mm. And and we make the big mistake of thinking that's an intellectual gift because wisdom really is a almost divine character mm-hmm. of, uh, of inspiration, of <clears throat> guidance, the various attributes that the Christians put on the Holy Spirit. So there's some people who go as far as to say that the wisdom descriptions of God in the Hebrew scriptures really is the same thing as the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. I think that may be treating the Hebrew scriptures a little disrespectfully to simply put an overlay of Christianity on them. But how disrespectful of them. Yeah. Say say we. Right. <laughs> it has a of all very supersessionism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But because hey, there's also the Hellenistic, the Greek influence in that wisdom mm-hmm. literature right. that they're the confluence of those two cultures as they as they collide the mm-hmm. you know the ancient Jewish tradition mm-hmm. and, the, and the Hellenistic tradition. So, but but the big thing to remember is that even as we talk about different aspects of God as Christians of to use the traditional Trinitarian formula Father Son and Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. we really do believe in one God, right. and that is unchanged <clears throat> from the very opening pages of the Bible to the very ending pages, mm-hmm. uh, and if we and yet Christians often undermine ourselves by playing around with, well, unless you pray with the name of Jesus, then you're not right. praying to God. Yeah. No, no, you're praying to God, you're praying to God, regardless of name. So in particularly the book of Acts, as you've identified, the Holy Spirit is that dimension of God that people experience most intimately with mm-hmm. Jesus having ascended to heaven. And right. so between uh, Book of Acts and the Gospel of John, it's not unfair to say that, in a sense, the Holy Spirit replaces Jesus on earth. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because he takes, because God takes mortal form does not mean that he is then absent. Right. Elsewhere. Right. Because that mortal body is now ascended. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think, I think you're uh, touching on something that, that, that can be quite interesting in that uh, the, the, um, the concepts around God, the Father, you know, or God, uh, Christ, and the Holy Spirit is the three aspects of, of, of uh, the entity of God. It, it probably plays on the different ways that we as humans are able to interact and, and comprehend uh, um, um, God, just because it, it, the interaction is not just a single, you know, a single way. It kinda, right. It's very... It's, pervasive it, 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 it it's it's uh it's in everything and so because we experience it different ways maybe we put 
labels on it to, to help our, ourselves understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also, in, in a healthy way, challenges us to not stick with our labels so that if, if I fall into a spiritual <clears throat> practice that I only think of Jesus, mm-hmm. hopefully the concept of the Holy Trinity pulls me outward out of that mm-hmm. to think about the transcendent God of all eternity and universes and that are, mm-hmm. you know, beyond you know, the mind blowing dimension of God. Uh, or if that's my focus, if I allow myself to ponder again, the experience of Jesus walking on earth, that might give me more of a sense of compassion for human beings mm-hmm. and all of creation. So I think that's one of the real gifts of the Holy Trinity is that it helps us very easily, really hold ourselves accountable to not being God ourselves, but being reminded repeatedly that God is beyond us. And we just have a, a tiniest sliver of awareness mm-hmm. of who God is. Because there are those moments where that intimate nature of God, where if you only think of the imminence, mm-hmm. you lose how touching and how sensitive and how caring and compassionate God can be with us individually and yet at the same time be the creator of mm-hmm. all that we know and all that we don't know. So holding those intention, I yeah. yeah, I love how you put that. Yeah. Very good. Anything more on Acts? No, we're oh, good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing none, we move on. <laughs> going once, going once. Now we're in for a spirited conversation. There we go. <laughs> um, gospel. Here we go. Chapter 3, uh, verses 15 through 17. I don't know what verses 18 through 20 did oh. to, to, to get them. Do you want to read all of them? You should just read all of them. Oh, well, how about, how about, I, how about I read to okay. that point, and then you can jump in no, yeah. and yeah, take yeah, over. Ready to jump right. in. And take over. All right, so we're, we're going to, on the fly, we're going to do, we're, we're going to yeah. add in 18, 18 through 20 so that we can have we a We have to know what the picture. lectionary has Absolutely. stripped away. Absolutely. So uh, chapter, or chapter 3, verses 15 through 22 in its entirety, and you'll hear a much better sounding voice in the middle of it. So as the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. So did we... Did we do we cut out about the part about Herod? Because we just yeah. wanted to keep focused on fo- focus. We don't care about that guy. He's a distraction. <laughs> uh, 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 let's just remember that it's about it's about uh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit coming down and descending on him like a dove, and and that's the story. Forget Herod. Is that it? Well, that's what I do. That, that possibly, possibly. And, and, and in fact, probably, probably. Right. So that there's a focus. We're all in agreement that I'm right. 
No, I'm just kidding. However, <laughs> one of the fascinating things about the Luke story of Jesus's baptism is that John the Baptist is so dissed within the story. Mm -hmm. In that, as has been referred to a few times tonight, there are three stories of Jesus's baptism, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm -hmm. In Luke, as you may have noticed, um, it says, and when, and when Jesus had been baptized, mm -hmm. it's not real explicit that John the Baptist baptized him. Mm -hmm. And if you keep the paragraph in that Patrick read, it even implies that John the Baptist was already in jail. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it, it very much is controversy, controversy, controversial. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, was Jesus baptized by the Holy Spirit alone? Right. Did he baptize himself? Yeah. Or is this a, is this a, um, uh, one of the cases that we had last week in which I thought a book was written by someone because it flat out said, I, I Paul, Paul <laughs> <laughs> only to learn from, uh, from, from my, my priest over here that, uh, no, it wasn't written by Paul. This, uh, this author is a big old liar and you've been duped. Uh, so, so, uh, so is, is that it, like, could, could he have been baptized by a follower of, of John? Uh, uh, no, this, this is, this is interesting because, uh, uh, there's certainly, there's an element in Luke, is is he saying that John could not have baptized him because John is just human and Jesus is, doesn't seem like that. That'd be more of a Right. John I don't think that's of, what's getting it. I don't think it is either. Um, the question that I have with it is... John was not worthy to even baptize well, him, exactly. let alone... John, uh, in John's here gospel, he just says he's not worthy to un untie yeah, the thong yeah. of the sandal. Yeah. Here we go again. John, Obviously, he's John's not worthy to baptize him. He's baptized. I mean, mm -hmm. he talks about it, but never gives I mean, the scene like yeah. Luke does. Yeah, but, yeah Mark's, is, Mark's is very clear. Mm -hmm. Matthew's is mm -hmm. very clear. Uh -huh. And Luke... Baptized by John. It's baptized by John, yeah. And so there's... And since Luke, one would argue, critically, is drawn from elements of Mark, why yep. the difference? Why did he change it? Yeah. is basically the, mm -hmm. the question. And to give Luke lots of slack, maybe he didn't. Maybe his tradition that he was part of, the oral tradition, really was one that described it in that way. And there's a way in which, at times, <clears throat> holy things in the scriptures are are taught and treated with a circumlocution so that you don't say them directly, but you walk around just, them verbally. You're just trying to prove you're smarter than me, aren't yeah. you? I'm just At glad I point. said it properly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need you to take the SATs. <laughs> and, and so it could be, it was to, uh, to protect the holiness of the moment. Okay. Uh, but there is within Luke and John, this almost tension between John the Baptist's followers and the followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Particularly, therefore, scholars believe that there, as when John the Baptist had died, when Jesus had died and was resurrected, that there's evidence that the, the John the Baptist people didn't just say, oh, well, yeah, Jesus is the one we should be following. Instead, there continued to be a, a John the Baptist denomination. I was going to ask that. So, so was this maybe uh, writing in uh, a, a piece that allowed more inclusivity of like you guys too? Jo sure, John baptized him. 
you know. Well, are, it's are, almost like, the they, opposite. Oh, yeah. okay. Because Luke's also later than yeah. Mark. Oh, so so this is to draw the line in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. Not the Messiah. Yes. Right. And driving that home. And notice. So this was this wasn't necessarily like reaching out an olive branch to uh, the the the, the uh, at, at that time could it have been, would it have been the Baptist? Uh, <laughs> but uh, but reaching out to the, the the followers of John the Baptist and saying you're part of this story too. It was really more of a yeah yeah. And, and, not, and I, what I you think, the, think the context of Luke. So Luke tends to be if you an urban the whatever community they are mm -hmm. they're urban. Um, you can see that in some of the, uh, the the example of lowering the paralyzed man down through the the house. Mm -hmm. There are tiles on the roof versus a, a thatched roof, or mm -hmm. uh, you know. So so Luke tends to be an urban context, probably Gentile in origin as well, which begs the question: Do they want to avoid John being seen as divine? Because mm -hmm. you know this idea of going from many gods to one god. I don't know. I don't. I have not heard a good reason for this. I've heard a lot of speculation, but not right. a good reason. But that context of Luke always intrigues me that you would think that they his his gospel is seems to be reaching into communities that are other more mm -hmm. than the other two synoptic gospels. Yeah. So why, to your point, why this community of John the Baptist followers, mm -hmm. why would they not be also be marginalized and be reaching out, but they're not? Mm -hmm. It's the opposite. Yeah. And Maybe it's just a sticking point that he didn't feel like he could bend yeah. on. Like you know, we, we the the whole the whole point of this book is yeah. to tell the story of the Messiah. I can't have you believing it's somebody else, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> so that's true. And I mean, in in that regards, it makes makes perfect sense, I guess, uh, uh, that you wouldn't be like, and you know, maybe. Maybe, maybe John, <laughs> maybe Jesus, and then, maybe, you know, well, and maybe, we, maybe it's all of us. <laughs> and, and, you, and in Acts, there's even a sermon about maybe Paul. Maybe, yeah, right. And, and yeah. so Acts makes sure that Paul says, nope, I'm not going to say right. it either. So, is it, what was, was this just because of thousand, like a couple thousand years of this foretelling of, of the Messiah that people were so thirsty and so desperate for this occurrence that they saw it in everyone? And well, so just, like people who didn't get a yeah. chance to see Jesus in person or only hearing it hearsay or like, Oh, maybe it's actually Paul or people who didn't see Jesus, but saw yeah. John. And, and like, the context is not too dissimilar to what we see in Isaiah, that second yeah. Isaiah reading. Mm -hmm. You have this entire culture that's now colonized, overrun by the Romans mm -hmm. and they're thirsty for justice. They're right. thirsty mm -hmm. for redemption. They're thirsty for restoration of their homeland, of their ability to, be their own people, worship mm. their God in the way they want to worship their God, which they don't have under the Romans, just like they didn't have under the Greeks, just like they sure. didn't have under the Babylonians. Mm -hmm. And so we do see historically lots of these figures that are yeah. out there. Yeah. And so I, that's a, that's an interesting take on Luke to say that he's trying to differentiate, mm -hmm. you know, between Jesus and these other, yeah. other individuals. I'll be honest, Patrick, uh, scenes of life with Brian are going through my head. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the quote I was just going to say is probably not good for the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> different. That's a different that's podcast. Different podcast. Yes. Check in next week for. Formerly ordained. 
most but recently this lasted a whole month. This is great. <laughs> the most recently dismissed. <laughs> no. uh, but, but yeah, that, that, that's uh, that, that's kind of interesting, and it's very it's always really interesting. One of the reasons why I really enjoy doing uh, this podcast is there's so much behind mm-hmm. the scenes, yeah. and and especially when you start to look at these books uh, as as uh, the, the, these gospel readings or these these books of the Bible, uh, realizing that they're crafted not only just to preserve history but also very often to prove a point and so then to be able to peel the veil back and say what was this author you know where Mm -hmm. where did this author come from what point was he trying to prove what was the you know and and understanding that motivation really gives uh some interesting uh um, um textualization to texture to this you know to these readings it's really interesting well, and the other, another interesting thing along those same lines is that it's, to me anyway, a reminder of how the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. Where on a Sunday morning, I don't have to argue about Jesus versus John the Baptist. And in some churches, though, the, the clergy have to argue between what they think should be done and what the former rector did, the former leader sure. of the congregation. And in many ways, that's probably the the deepest context of why Luke repeatedly puts down John the Baptist and even removes him from the scene mm-hmm. is people's personal alliances to John the Baptist. I mean, that this was a man they literally followed through the desert. Mm-hmm. Sure. So to walk away from him to follow someone uh, someone else would be very heart wrenching. Sure. So. That still happens today. Uh, yeah, absolutely does. And as as a priest, I'm sure that you've experienced that. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 you st- we still have people putting uh, um, that that onus on the figurehead at, at a church, and, mm-hmm. and 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 seeing and seeing that as as and, a, the all all important tie to God. And, and you know what? To, since this is an in, since we're in the Indianapolis area, it's sort of like the. Peyton Manning versus Andrew Luck followers of the cults. Sure, cults. sure. Cult, cults. Cults, cults. Yeah. The cult of the cults. Yeah. Sure, sure. It, it's, an, it's emotional rather than rational. And for, for those of us who are who have, are older and have been here longer, it's it's Peyton Manning. And for people younger, uh, they're wrong. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jeff George, but you're not old. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Jeff George. There we go. Oh, gosh. Um, so we've managed to bring it full circle to football. Um, uh, that's a sign the podcast should end. Yes. <laughs> we can no longer quit while we're ahead. <laughs> yeah. We are now behind. Hopefully we didn't talk about this whole scene and of the dove coming down and oh, bodily expression of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, well then let's, uh, yeah. throw this is, how there. can we, yeah. Patrick, this is your podcast. I mean, come on, let's do well, it. Well, I've got to say something. Yeah. Right? No, sure. Now right? that you brought it up, you can't just leave it out there in the world. Actually, I'm, I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, you have to come on Sunday to hear what that is. Huh? <laughs> oh, do we do we want to not spoil something for Sunday then? It's up to you. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, all of every, like, every time we enter into all the worship of space, my we grandmother would hope and to my experience mom experience the Holy Spirit, whether it's in the form of the dove, or mm-hmm. if it's the form of tongues of fire on our heads, or if it's just the the fire that burns within us to go out and change the world for the better. Hopefully, we always experience the Holy Spirit. In worship, and I would venture a guess that we're going to do our darndest here at Holy Family on Sunday to experience the Holy Spirit in our midst. I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair to say. Well put. 
Well, with that, we'll we'll uh, kind of wrap this up. I I'll, I will put in one quick plug before we go for the, the tabernacle for oh. the tabernacle. Yes, because <laughs> they are the, sponsored. Uh, <laughs> thank you to our sponsor now, uh, uh, for for our email uh, that yeah. we have set up. Mm-hmm. If you have questions that you would like us to read uh, in the podcast, of course we would do it uh, anonymously. You know, we we wouldn't uh, be sharing your personal information just in case that's your your hang up. But right. uh, shortcut at hfec.org email uh, your questions to us and we'll, we'll, we'll go through him, them here on the podcast. I didn't get any this week. I've got it on my phone. Now I fixed, figured out my, uh, my technological oh, shortcomings in yet one more area. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we'll uh, make you employable. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but please feel free to, to, to send us in questions uh, and uh, we'd we'll, enjoy it. We'll, yeah. We'd absolutely enjoy it. So with that, I want Patrick, I want to thank you again for, for, for coming to visit us and for, uh, for risking your uh, uh, priest career. By... Oh, it was on the line. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I appreciate not only as an alum, but as a uh, member of Good Samaritan to be here as a special guest. We appreciate yeah. it since we had a great discussion about Good, you know, Samaria. And, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Brings up the, the story of the Good Samaritan. So as a Good Samaritan, I appreciate the opportunity. So now, real quick, I'll, I'll we need to throw that plug that mm-hmm. way as well. So, yeah. so this Sunday you'll be here. Yes, uh, and we're awesome. But in, in fact, other uh, Sundays, yeah, in normal Sundays, I'm out in Brownsburg, Indiana, at Harris Academy. Uh, 735 North Green Street, mm-hmm. uh, Good Samaritan Episcopal Church. In fact, if you want to see the Holy Spirit descend as a dove, we are baptizing a young woman on January 27th. So come on out, visit mm-hmm. us, be experience mm-hmm. of baptism. It's actually my first baptism as an Episcopal priest. So okay. come on out, and that's be a awesome. unique experience. Yeah, it's, it's always yeah, inspiring to be part of that. Look forward yeah. to. And if you like him, uh, if you like him better than Bruce, that's where you'll find him. That's right. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, you get a good experience here at Holy yeah. Family. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we really thank you very much, and Bruce, as always, thanks for uh, for for also risking your pastoral <laughs> position by being on this podcast. Happy but, to uh, do so. Uh, but this will this will wrap up the the podcast for January thirteenth, two thousand nineteen, and uh, hopefully we'll see you Sunday. I'm Ben. I'm Bruce. I'm Patrick, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.